0: A few months after the L Word first started in 2004, I began studying at Alverno College, a small all-women's college run by the School Sisters of St. Francis in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. I joined the Rainbow Alliance right away, even though all we did was watch the L Word. By the time I graduated in 2009, we were the largest, most active and best fundraising social group on campus. We regularly attended drag shows by the Milltown Kings and Milwaukee Pride Fest, a weekend long Pride Festival that I highly recommend you go see. I interned at the Milwaukee Gay Art Center, the only gay art center in the country at the time, and at the Alliance School. Now. There's a popular anti-bullying campaign called the Alliance Way based on this school. Even though it was an all-women school, it wasn't unusual to have gender-bending students. We didn't have the terms genderqueer or non-binary yet. And now the student handbook includes a section explaining the inclusion of transgender and gender-fluid and non-binary people. Now it's 10 years later since I graduated, and I stand on the shoulders of giants, especially because Elverno was where the first conference of women theologians took place in 1971. Now many of the feminist theologians we are familiar with, such as Carol Christ, Elaine Pagels, and Sally McFague were there. And as I work as a queer Catholic feminist, I look back to the Rainbow Alliance and to the women theologians at Alverno. And I know that if they could do it, especially without the internet, and without the L word, I can do it. Welcome to Tabard Inn, everybody.
1: That was a story by Deacon Phoebe, a feminist, theologian, Catholic, and member of the Vining Fig community. Welcome to Tabard Inn, a weekly podcast about the stories we tell and the events we discuss while in pilgrimage as queer Catholics. I'm Pat Gothman, and I'm so Catholic I once made a response video to that spoken word video about loving Jesus and hating religion. And I'm also the co-founder of Vine and Fig, so I've been around the Catholic Church a lot, but I'm kind of a baby queer.
2: Uh, And I'm Jacob, I'm his fiancé. I am a serial spreadsheet maker, data lover, dog dad. Catholic newbie, and embarking on week two of No Sugar, so watch out,
1: Pat. You're doing good. You're doing good. Oh, man.
2: This is tough. So what do we got today?
1: So first we're going to look at Billy Porter's Best Actor win at the Emmys, then we'll discuss the U.S. Conference of Catholic Bishops reaching out to folks who have left the church. We'll look at Jonathan Van Ness coming out as HIV positive, and we'll look at Archbishop Chaput's criticism of Father Jim Martin. And then, as always, we'll end by toasting the things that we were most inspired by this week. Alright, so first up, Billy Porter made history Sunday night as the first openly gay actor to win an Emmy for lead actor in any category for his role in Pose, where he plays Pray Tell, the MC of the New York City Balls, and mentor to the queer community. He gave a hell of an acceptance speech. The category is love, y'all, love! I am so overwhelmed and I am so overjoyed to have lived long enough
0: to see this day. James Baldwin said... Took many years of vomiting up all the filth that I had been taught about myself
1: and halfway believed before I could walk around this earth like I had the right to
0: be here.
2: Amen. Uh, this is yet another big moment for queer people of color in mainstream arts. Now, I'm not a big fan of award shows, but do you remember in 2017 for the Oscars?
1: That was when Moonlight yeah, kind of Moonlight, won, yes. did win.
2: Okay, so I've got a little confession. Okay. Um, that was a roller coaster of emotions um but i you probably don't know but i was so happy that i was in the bathroom with tears running down my eyes because really? it was it was just such a powerful moment just seeing um all that black boy joy and just kind of this like perfect moment for these kids yeah um what do you think about all this
1: uh, no i had no idea that was was going on um there's just something about Billy Porter's energy that makes me, like, it's just grateful to be alive, grateful for the experiences that I've gone through, and grateful to have elders in the queer community. I think I was inspired watching him kind of stand on that stage. And just own his moment and his own identity. If you haven't seen Pose, g- get on somebody's Netflix passcode and learn some of your history. Like, Jacob, you were teaching me about ball culture since the very first days that we started dating. Uh, and I'm really grateful for that, and I'm happy for Billy Porter.
2: Yeah, the um, Netflix. Also, if you get on Netflix, get that passcode again. Uh, watch Paris is Burning. This... Um, It's a documentary on the ballroom culture, and Pose is kind of based off of that. That documentary uh, really did a lot for me. It validated a lot of my feelings um, as I started becoming more comfortable with being a uh, gay person of color. So definitely watch it. It shows a lot of history. Watch Pose. Tense across the board. Love it. So our second story It comes from the USCCB on its mission to the nuns, and that's N-O-N-E-S, not N-U-N-S. The U.S. Conference of Catholic Bishops held their annual catechetical Sunday earlier in September, recognizing that a whole lot of young Catholics are leaving the church these days. They decided their theme would be stay with us, which is kind of desperate sounding, but all right. Um, Much of the focus is on the folks who are often labeled as nuns because they claim no religious affiliation. In a document laying out a plan to reach the nuns, the USCCB wrote, we need an army to reach the nuns, but we simply do not have one. We are not even close to having one. So maybe the nuns are not really the problem. Maybe the problem is with us as spiritual leaders. As much as we desire the conversion of nuns, maybe the real conversion that is needed is a leadership conversion. What if as a consequence of our leadership conversion, we turned from our old tried and true ways of leading and dared instead to lead in entirely new ways? What if we dared to lead so that everything we did was preparing and equipping our people for missionary discipleship?
1: I guess I'm happy to see some bishops seeming to recognize that young people aren't leaving the church just because, like, they're spoiled, or they're lazy, or weak, or like, oh, just the culture is so sinful, it's dragging everyone away. So, like, that seems to be a good development on a conference level, even if maybe not all the bishops really believe it or are preaching that way. Man, still, in my opinion, like, they have completely missed the diagnosis. Like, they still think that the reason folks don't believe everything the church teaches is just because they haven't had it explained well enough yet. Like, that they just, it's, the problem is no one's come out and given them a personal invitation to stay or to, like, come back to Mass or anything. And sure, like, yes, some folks will respond to that positively. To have an invitation or even to like have a philosophical argument about some church teaching, but like that's not why most young Catholics are leaving. Like they leave because the church has done so much to align itself with one political party. They leave because of the clergy sex abuse crisis. They leave because of the church's teaching on homosexuality and like the way they've seen their queer friends treated. That's not like some kind of exhaustive list, but it's not anything that needs further explaining. It needs a change of heart, like a change of witness. Like The authenticity just seems gone to way too many young Catholics to stay.
2: Yeah, I totally agree with you. Did you know that in 2008, white Christians made up a majority 54% of our country? And I believe in 2017, that number drastically dropped to 45%.
1: That's a pretty quick drop.
2: Right, it is a very quick drop. It doesn't seem like it when you first look at the numbers, but... In a population of however many we have here in America. Several hundred million. (laughs) Yep, yep, yep. Um, That's a lot. Um, Robert P. Jones covers this in his book, The End of Christian White America, where he goes in-depth about the changing demographics of America, uh, specifically in relation to Christianity. Uh, He works for the PRRI, Public Religion Research Institute, where he goes into the data on what makes Christians do what they do. But one thing they found is that the this decrease in membership in white Christian churches are in part over issues regarding LGBTQ rights, science, uh, climate change, disagreements, uh, reproductive rights, and the list that you have given. This is all really interesting, but also, on the other hand, it's pretty scary because as young adults leave the churches, these churches are buckling down and becoming less tolerant and a little more aggressive with their stances on on these issues.
1: Yeah, entirely the bishops have to learn to actually listen to young Catholics and why they are leaving. Like, don't just cook up an evangelization model in a lab based off of your theory of Jesus' discipleship. Like, listen first, and then figure out how to respond. All right, up next, talking to the New York Times, ahead of the release of his upcoming book, Queer Eye's Jonathan Van Ness opened up about being HIV positive. He said, when Queer Eye came out, it was really difficult because I was like, do I want to talk about my status? And then I was like, the Trump administration has done everything they can to have the stigmatization of the LGBT community thrive around me. He paused before adding, I do feel the need to talk about this. These are all difficult subjects to talk about on a makeover show about hair and makeup. That doesn't mean Queer Eye is less valid, but I want people to realize you're never too broken to be fixed.
2: This is great. Um, I love Jonathan. Um, Like you mentioned with Billy Porter, he just gives you like a really great feeling. Um, Jonathan does that for me as well. Um, one thing I think Jonathan really excels and is like a master at is his uh, display of empathy. And with that, I feel like him coming out as HIV positive. Um, is really going to touch a lot of people. HIV positive um, people who have HIV, they often get shunned for having this uh, this STD.
1: Even within the gay community.
2: Even yeah, especially within the gay community, they, there's this like stigma of like, oh, it's your fault. Right. Um, and honestly, like that's such a damaging and, and a toxic way of approaching this. So um, yeah, I think this is great. I hope this really does a lot of strides with um, that specific community within our community. They are pretty vulnerable, um, but I really love the uh, medical advances that we've been getting in regards to HIV. There are a lot of HIV-positive folks out there that are functioning. You know, it's undetectable, and they're living normal lives, um, longer normal lives, which is amazing. So I hope this definitely gives more, gets more visibility
1: yeah it was really powerful to see Jonathan be able to share on mainstream media as he's talking about his diagnosis in this upcoming book like just talking about how undetectable means and it's also untransmittable, like these basic things that education wise like all of society, not even just the gay community needs to to learn and be talking about um for our own health and but also for the just overall well-being of folks who are, are positive. I'll say this is one of those areas where the stigma and demonization that I grew up with within the church, like I can still see it everywhere in society. I remember when I first got caught with a boy by my mom, like one of her questions was, what if you got AIDS? And like, it's not an inherently terrible question. That's a valid question. And like being safe is a real and important thing. But there was never a, a follow-up conversation then or ever about having compassion and love and normalcy for anyone like who is positive. I've never seen any gratitude from church circles for the advances in science that you were mentioning, Jacob, that have made a positive diagnosis like more than a livable condition, like just a a fact of life that you have to deal with, but that doesn't completely alter uh, who you are and the relationships that you have and everything like that. Um, I know I need to get more educated about it, so I'm really grateful for Jonathan being so open, and I look forward to reading their book.
2: You were talking about the church uh, circles and not having any gratitude, and I, I see what you're saying, but I think this reminded me, or not I think, but this reminded me of a story that Michael J. Laughan, yeah. um, uh did a report on about the sister who had, who she created a missionary, or.
1: Uh... I think she had a, yeah, she had a special kind of outreach to uh, folks who were positive, positive in the positive. 80s and 90s when that was an especially vulnerable community. Yeah,
2: and especially when there wasn't really that much information on it. Right. Yeah, so she was there in the front lines showing compassion and love to these people with a disease that uh, was stigmatized so greatly. Um, I, that's funny about your mom, uh, your mom's story, because my mom did the same thing. And it wasn't that she caught me with anybody. We had I was already out, but she just randomly one day said to me, you better not get AIDS. And I just kind of looked at her. I was like, so shocked by how abrupt this, this comment was. Um, And so we had a conversation and we talked about it. And I think, I think just, you know, having those conversations and being open about such a, taboo subject can really help you might not like this but i don't know if i told you before i used to volunteer for planned parenthood in high school yeah i knew that oh okay i was a part of a a group um, of students that would travel around to the high schools um in the area or in the city and teach students uh safe sex methods right um outside of abstinence, and uh, we often touched on HIV. Yeah, I think this is really great. I definitely feel like the conversation needs to continue. With PrEP being out there, I think, you know, it's being
1: normalized,
2: um, and people are being sex positive and taking care of their bodies. Um, But I don't think that this is an answer to it, so I feel like um, definitely this is a great thing that it's in the forefront.
1: I just want to touch on both of our moms saying you better not get aids i I think that's a very natural and understandable response from a mom like i have a lot more i remember being taken aback when it happened but i understand where my mom was coming from now it's the same instinct that said you know don't get in a car accident when you go out with your friends on friday nights just wanting to keep you safe and not really knowing how to to do so so hopefully little acts like this of uh celebrities and and folks being more open about their positivity and how it doesn't completely destroy lives in the same way that it used to instead it can be of this very livable condition that we need more education around it uh hopefully we'll stop just associating you know you're gay therefore you're gonna get aids therefore you're you're risky therefore you're um somehow less than than the rest of of the community all right, y'all. Fourth and final story. The Philadelphia Archbishop Charles Chaput published an article criticizing Jesuit priest and friend of vine and fig, Father Jim Martin, after Father Martin gave a talk at a Catholic university in Philadelphia. While acknowledging that Father Martin does great work recognizing the dignity of queer folks, Archbishop Chaput wrote, quote, a pattern of ambiguity in his teachings, tends to undermine his stated aims, alienating people from the very support they need for authentic human flourishing. Due to the confusion caused by his statements and activities regarding same-sex related, quote, LGBT issues, I find it necessary to emphasize that Father Martin does not speak with authority on behalf of the church and to caution the faithful about some of his claims, end quote. He went on to list his complaints, like Father Martin saying that folks are born gay or that the Catechism statements that same-sex... Attractions are objectively disordered or cruel. He then continued, quote, To his credit, Father Martin has stressed that, as a Catholic priest, I have never challenged the Church's teachings, nor will I. But what is implied or omitted often speaks as loudly as what is actually stated. And in the current climate, incomplete truths do, in fact, present a challenge to faithful Catholic belief. When people hear that the church welcomes gay people or needs to be more inclusive and welcoming without hearing the conditions of an authentically Christian life set for all persons by Jesus Christ and his church, namely living a life of chastity, they can easily misunderstand the nature of Christian conversion and discipleship, end quote. All right, Jacob, as a new Catholic and a gay man, what do you think when you hear that?
2: I don't know. I've, being new to Catholicism... I came into this thinking, like, they're. I am who I am. They're going to accept me for whatever. Like, it is it is what it is. I'm not going to change. Yeah, I mean, I get the claim of ambiguity, but also, is coming out and proclaiming that we're intrinsically disordered some sort of litmus test for being a priest, let alone a Catholic?
1: It, it seems like increasingly so it is these days. Uh, it's becoming some kind of dividing line in the mm-hmm. church, for sure.
2: Yeah. Um, I mean... On its face it makes me feel unwanted in that part of the church when i say that part of the church the the more conservative the trad cats um but honestly like i'm not going anywhere because god found me here in this church he brought me here and that says a lot to me if someone's going to say that you know i'm i'm not welcome that's too bad like i'm gonna still be in the pews so i don't know i i haven't really put too much thought into the article but Yeah, we'll see.
1: Why? What do you think? I guess on the one hand, like, the Archbishop is right. While Father Martin has written about what the Church's official teaching is, like he has never really come out and said, and I personally wholeheartedly agree, like, wow, are these gay people disordered. But he's also never really said that he disagrees. Like, you and I know a lot of gay Catholics who Mm -hmm. wish that Father Martin would come out with a more robust defense of queer Catholics Mm -hmm. and really just say, like, I disagree with the Church. The Church needs to change this stuff. But he doesn't. He just kind of emphasizes this other side of the Church's official teaching of talking about the dignity Mm -hmm. and the need for respect and equality. I will say it's it's funny hearing Archbishop Review say when people hear that the church welcomes gay people, that they get the wrong impression. Because in my experience, it's usually like the hardline conservatives who love to say that. Like, we'll say the church excludes gay people, and then they turn around and say, no, 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 like the church loves gay people. The church welcomes all gay people. Like they're the ones that try to give the wrong impression by just kind of throwing out the idea that the church welcomes all gay people. Uh, I do want to focus on one more point from the Archbishop's article that the church just applies all the same standards to everyone, that they live a life of chastity and nothing more. Like, come on, man. Like, you know damn well that the consequences of that principle are going to be drastically different for queer people. Like, for example, saying that you expect all able bodied men to go fight in a war, like, that's going to affect a husband with several kids and maybe in laws that are dependent on him way differently than a 19 year old. It's the same standard, but it has way different consequences. You can't just say, well, it's the same. I expect the same thing of everybody that they go off to fight a war. Like that's really going to affect different people within the community differently based off of their own set of you know life experiences and circumstances. So just how much it affects queer people just saying, I expect chastity of you, no sex outside of a heterosexual marriage. Like that is something that you'll only learn how much it affects queer people by listening to us. And that's something that I've never gotten the impression that certainly Archbishop Chaput is doing. Whereas certainly with Father Jim Martin, you can tell that his ministry is a fruit of really listening to a lot of queer Catholics. Yeah,
2: yeah and Father Martin's um, ability to have that empathy and listen to us, our community, and really make us feel welcome, I th- it really goes a long way. And not to like point fingers, but... Archbishop Chaput, he really isn't listening to us or the people who are in our community. Right. Um, he's just saying, pick a side, um, you're not being clear enough. And I think for us uh, queer Catholics or you know, left-leaning Catholics who are asking Father Martin to just come right out and say, I support same-sex marriage, I support you know, gay lifestyles to be a part of the church. I, I feel like that's really dangerous um, especially with his position in the church. Um, pragmatism does go a long way, especially when you're in a, a a line or a profession like his. So I I feel like we really need to calm down the the need to like profess what camp we belong to or what what camp we're like baiting to so
1: yeah i feel like father martin's ministry is kind of it's uh, perfectly balanced it's equal parts an outreach to queer catholics who feel like they are extremely marginalized and have no place within the church and it's also equal parts a an outreach to folks within the church who aren't queer who haven't had those experiences who don't see why there's a need to emphasize dignity and respect and equal treatment within the, the church. So he kind of, he's, he's able to speak to both communities there in a way that I feel is really, really helpful. So I, I agree to, uh, expecting father Martin to do anything different right now is, is, um, is asking not just too much, but is asking for the wrong, wrong thing. I think it's, it's those of us within the queer community itself, like, should be the ones to do the most speaking up for why um, we need better treatment within the church.
2: So what or who are we toasting today, Pat?
1: I'm toasting the cast of Shit's Creek. They were nominated for several Emmys and they didn't win, but I think the show is amazing and funny as hell and just being able to witness a world where homophobia like just doesn't exist is exactly how I want to spend my evenings. And I also think that Catherine O'Hara was robbed. <laughs>
2: um, by visibility also exists in Shit's Creek, which I think is really great. Yeah, it does. Um, but yeah, Shit's Creek, pretty funny. I want to give a big shout out to Miss Elizabeth Warren for naming the slain um, trans people of color that have died this year. Um, I believe it was 18 already. Um, It was a really powerful moment seeing her just slowly name these women and giving them some visibility. And yeah, it was at an LGBTQ forum, but media covered it. It's being shared in Twitter land. Um, I think this is a really big step. And, you know, for her to just come out, make a stance and say that trans women of color specifically matter and that we need to do something about this
1: uh, is really powerful. Absolutely agreed. Well, cheers to Elizabeth Warren and to the cast of *Shit's Creek. All right, y'all. Elsewhere on Vine and Fig, did you know that we have a weekly newsletter that is completely free? Every Monday we send it out. It comes straight into your inboxes. Uh, it's got a little bit of news, some inspiration, and uh, some queer history as well. We call it RCIA, but gay. So feel free to go over to our website and subscribe you'll get a wonderful newsletter every week into your inbox you can also support the podcast on patreon or by leaving a review on apple podcasts thanks everyone have a great week bye y'all